What's up guys, my name is Evan Duvall. This is Easy Does It. Thank you for joining us. All right, guys, what's going on? My name is Evan Duvall. This is the Easy Does It podcast. We are back. We are back with episode 17. Brought Eric Godsey back on for round motherfucking two. Number two. Let's go. I'm really excited to drop in here today. Let's keep Um, the recording on this one. Yeah, absolutely. So, (laughs) yeah. So the first live event I did was over here at the Dogwood uh, downtown Austin. Um, and we ran the podcast. It was an amazing episode. And I think we had like 160 people out that day. And it, it was really just like a proof of concept. And it, it was incredible to share it with Eric. Um, but then I got home that night and checked my audio and it was zeroed out on my uh, audio mixer. So we didn't get a recording that day, but I was glad that it was the first live one. Lessons learned. That's, uh, that's, that's the lesson here. Is it okay if I move this shit so I can see more of the room? Yeah, man. You can do whatever you want. Let's go. All right. So for those of y'all that don't know, my friend Eric Godsey, let's go ahead and run an introduction real quick. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm going to introduce myself? Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, I don't know what I do, but my background (laughs) is uh, got a degree in cognitive psychology 10 years ago. Um, Started doing drugs. I mean, medicine. Uh, lost most of my friends trying to talk about philosophy. Um, Found new ones. (laughs) And then after I graduated, uh, because I didn't understand how the world worked, I was wrapping burritos at Chipotle for $8 an hour. Um, After six months of that, I realized I'm going to have to create my own life because uh, this degree ain't worth shit. Um, Started working at a call center. Uh, I'm going too much into my story. We'll, we'll just get into it the way it goes. But basically what I do is I'm a coach, even though I don't like that term. Uh, if I had to give it a name, I'm a midwife to people's potential. Uh, a doula for people's dharma. I've never said that before. That's live today. Live. A doula for people's dharma. Graham, write it down. Um, I podcast. I write. Uh... And I share how I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And, yeah, man. Uh, I love that. I think doing. that's that's the mission here. You know, I think uh, this this platform really came about as an opportunity for us to share space and have, you know, genuine, authentic conversation um, from an intentional and valuable, you know, space. Um, it's really special to be able to share that and unpack it and integrate it immediately. Um, along with some live music after yeah. the podcast, but it's just a, it's just so nice to be out surrounded by other people that are like-minded and, and looking for the same thing in this world. Um, but hey man, yeah. if I may, yeah, what you are doing is so fucking special that it's so special. Like you have an audacity that young people have um, that you thought it was possible and you started doing live events during COVID Mm -hmm. and after I did the first event with you I was just on fire with how like this is so special and you've shown me that it's possible 
And so I just want to say thank you to fucking showing up. Yeah, man. Thank you. And thank y'all. Like, you guys make this a proof of concept. Mm. And I really appreciate all of you that have been coming to these events and who are here today. Yeah, it takes all of us, man. And, you know, like, the original idea... I've been messing with it for years, but I didn't really see how it was going to fall into place until the recent turn of events. Um, and I knew that there was a reason um, that I was feeling called this direction and wanted to lean into it as much as possible. Um, but the opportunity… Yeah, what's up? No, you crushed it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> crushed it. Thank you. Yeah, we're just getting started, baby. This is it. This is just the beginning. Um, but, you know, I think this is a, a great way. You know, we originally talked when I, before we even did the first live event, you know, when I was asking you if you were interested. And, you know, I was kind of saying this, this may be laid out as like a blueprint for how people can get their podcast communities involved. Um, my whole goal here, you know, throughout this entire journey has been to utilize social media. That's the access point. I'm going to where people's and my friends attention is yeah it takes you know a certain amount of people's days and if we can access them there and then draw each other out to events like this or share space or out on dates or parties like that's where life is meant to be lived and that's eye to eye um so it's it's taking something that is um new the technology is new yeah. you know there's a lot of ways to use it but you know just standardizing the way and saying okay you know, I'm going to do what Joe Rogan does because it works for Joe Rogan, you know, or, you know, I'm just going to just follow this blueprint. But there's still so much room for innovation with new technology. Talk about Austin Silent Disco, a good friend of mine that owns these headphones. You so know, I, I haven't seen them utilized in this way, but there's always room um, for innovation. So I challenge everyone in this room to always be pushing those boundaries as we move forward. And um, the, absolutely. Gang, 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 gang. But yeah, so I want to drop in, man. I want to drop into this conversation today. I put a few topics in your head and, you know, I just want to expand on it and flow with it. Um, I think the what I really want to unpack is just that. Um, kind of identifying the state of society, um, of our culture, you know, what's good with it, what's wrong with it. Um, and then asking ourselves, what's our role? What can we improve? And how can we serve? Um, so I'd like to introduce with a reading today. I actually uh, came to me the other day that I'd like to share this. Um, it's from one of my favorite books. I've, I've thumbed through this. The cover's about to tear off. But it's uh, Shamhala, The Sacred Path of the Warrior. And I read this the other day and it really resonated with me. And I, I realized that I would really like to share it in this capacity. All right. From the great cosmic mirror, without beginning and without end human society became manifest. At that time, liberation and confusion arose when fear and doubt occurred. Toward the confidence, which is primordially free, countless multitudes of cowards arose. When the confidence, which is primordially free, was followed and delighted in, countless multitudes of warriors arose. Those countless multitudes of cowards hid themselves in caves and jungles. They killed their brothers and sisters and ate their flesh. They followed example of beasts. They provoked terror in each other, and they took their own lives. They kindled a great fire of hatred. They constantly roiled the river of lust. They wallowed in the mud of laziness. 
the age of famine and plague arose. Of those who were dedicated to the primordial confidence, the many hosts of warriors, some went to the highland mountains and erected beautiful castles of crystal. Some went to the lands of beautiful lakes and islands and erected lovely palaces. Some went to the pleasant plains and sowed fields of barley, rice, and wheat. They were always without quarrel, ever loving and very generous, without encouragement. Through their self-existing instability, they were always devoted to the Imperial Rigdon. These lessons are timeless, y'all. There has always been fear. There has always been doubt. There has always been a portion of our society and culture that is riddled with fear and doubt, and they will press that upon you. But there has also been men and women for a very long time that have driven society forward. They have gone to the places that they were felt called, and they built things. They supported each other. And that's the reason that we're still here. So we have the opportunity here amongst the fear to find what our role is, lean into it, ask ourselves, how can we serve this world? What can we build? What can we create in this world together? And I think that will come on top because it always has. What Can't if, let fear win. What a fucking beautiful passage, brother. Thank you. <laughs> When you shared with me what you wanted to talk about today, um, I could feel that what my soul wanted to bring to this is you hold the warrior part of this. And I feel called to bring the poet part of this. And the core of what I believe the poet sees is wrong, is people not manifesting their inner whisper. And that's the fear. Those are the cowards. And the call of the poet is to connect to, there's a song inside each of us. And the warrior is the one that has the discipline and the courage to act in accord with that whisper inside of you when it is not in accord with a dysfunctional culture. And that is where we are. And there's a story that I love that really connects to the essence of this energy. <clears throat> so Plato is the, he's kind of regarded as like the king philosopher of Western culture. Mm -hmm. And he wrote this magnum opus called the Republica. And this magnum opus was his attempt to articulate how to build a perfect society. And it's a philosophical work. And then at the very end of this book, there's a, the last chapter is this random myth. Like it's, it's this story that doesn't really fit with the like philosophical rigor of mm. the first half of the book. Okay. And it's called the myth of Ur. And the story goes like this. Um, Ur was a, was like their best warrior of the Athens culture. And he did everything virtuous and he was like the highest ideal warrior. Mm. And when he died in battle, the gods saw that he was worthy to see what happens after death 
and that he would be returned to life after nine days, and then he would be tasked with bringing back the story of what happens when you die. Mm. So he dies in battle, and then he goes into what's called the middle world. And in the middle world, there's four judges, and they sit on four thrones. And these judges judge the souls of anyone who has died. And what they judge is, does this soul need to acquire more wisdom? If the soul needs to acquire more wisdom, it's sent down to the lower realm, which is where earth is. And if the soul doesn't need to learn more wisdom, it gets to go to the higher realm. And that's what they called heaven. The souls that go to the higher realm, because there's no suffering there, they forget their wisdom. And they eventually have to come back to the middle world and they get sent to the lower world. And the lower world is where souls go to learn wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so there's like cycles of souls that come through. And Ur got to witness the current cycle of souls that were judged as having to learn. And then they get sent on this voyage where they go meet the mother of fate. And the mother of fate sits in this huge rainbow tower thing on this fucking grand throne. They were doing psychedelics, y'all. But um, the mother of fate sits on this throne and all these souls come forward. And the mother of fate puts in front of them a whole bunch of strands of gold. And these strands of gold are different fates that the souls can choose to learn wisdom through. And these souls are arranged in order of like how dope they were in their previous life. And the first soul that went was a soul that lived in the higher realm and forgot all of its wisdom. And it snatched the first fate strand that had the most pleasure and the most abundance without taking the time to actually look at how that life would play out. And the fate of that soul was to become a dictator who would have to eventually eat his children. Sorry, bro. The last soul that went was Odysseus. And Odysseus is the hero from the Odyssey who went through so much motherfucking learning. Yeah. And he took his time and he looked at the different strands and he picked one of a simple farmer who would get to raise his family, be in nature, and just enjoy the fruits of his labor. Once all the souls picked their fates, they then go into a tunnel underneath the throne to the river of forgetting. Because the knowledge of your fate is too heavy and you can't go into the lower world with it. So you have to drink from this river of forgetting. As you drink and you forget your fate, the mother of fate gives each person a daemon. And your daemon is your spiritual guardian that remembers your fate. But it can't be in a body. So it can transfer. That is the story that the motherfucking king of philosophy shared at the end of his book about how to create a perfect civilization. And it's the introduction of the idea of the daemon, which monolithic religion turned into demon because Mm -hmm. the monolithic religions can't hold their power if you have a direct access to God, which is what the daemon is. And so I shared that story because I truly believe the poet's balance to the warrior is can you listen to your daemon? All of us have a little whisper inside of us about what we're being called to do. You were called to come to Austin. You were called to start doing this. Mm -hmm. The daemon is the thing that whispers. It's, It's the poetic part. And then you're the warrior 
The ego is the warrior that bows to the daemon and enacts on its behalf. Sure. And you've done that. Yeah, I hope so. You know, and that's, that's going to be a continuous battle. Um, one that is not easy to step up into. Um, a few things stuck out to me there, you know, and it's, it was that, you know, reaching for that, that chain that, was, that had the most abundance um, and starting from a place of comfort. It sounds very common uh, or familiar um, in the world that we live in. Today, a lot of us live in very comfortable situations. Um, often when we feel the most in alignment or we find out what is, you know, the most wise to us in this world is when we simplify, right? We have a tendency to just get up, caught up in habits um, or comfort because it feels good. Um, but that's not necessarily the way that we were intended to live. Um, I don't think that we usually find alignment from a comfortable place or peace. Um, yeah, for sure. When I'm watching the basketball playoffs and I'm sitting on my couch mm -hmm. and I'm fucking uh, ordering sushi to my house, uh, I don't feel great. Right. But uh, if I'm working out and I'm sweating and I feel like I want to give up and it's I'm getting to the point where I normally give up, but because... I eat a little bit too mushrooms and I know I got a podcast later in front of a bunch of people. I chose to go a little bit harder. I feel way better. Yeah. I feel way better. And lean into it. One of the things, and there's quite a few things around the, the languaging that feels like it's important to articulate for people mm. is that one way to look at what's happening is that it's a battle. And I actually think that that leads to, on average, people acting in the cowardly ways because they're looking at this as like me against them, us against them, this against that, good versus evil. And there's a part of that that adds to the flavor of life. And, you know, I don't aspire to try to be an aesthetic that believes that there's no such thing as like bad guys. Or the, but mm -hmm. the poetic perspective is it's a dance. Yeah. It's a song. And that what makes the crescendo what makes you weep from the crescendo is that the conductor had the presence of mind to make a bunch of really low, uncomfortable notes mm -hmm. before. And that everyone out here, they're playing their role. Right. And some of them are really shitty at taking care of their instruments, but all of them hear their song. And ultimately, and this is a much bigger idea, maybe we'll get into it, but our civilization will self-extinct if we don't move beyond the battling metaphor and come into whatever metaphor that we like, that is everyone is a part of this thing. And the metaphor that I love is an orchestra. Mm -hmm. There is a planetary orchestra that is out of fucking balance. And the only way that we don't self-extinct because we have atomic fucking bombs is we have to bring everyone into the orchestra. And in an age with atomic bombs and soon-to-be artificial intelligence that's powering drones, like, if we are doing us versus them, there will not be an either. Hmm. And so the poet with the warrior feels like it's 
makes for the most beautiful song. It does. Yeah, no, it makes, I think that that's, there's no one that can be whole um, that's either on either side of that. It's, I think earlier in our first episode, we talked about um, the difference between like water and the way it flows in the world and then fire. And I love those, I love those, you know, metaphors where we can relate back to the same thing. Um, you know, I think that it's, it's interesting that, you know, this idea of a warrior in the modern world is, is obviously um, someone who is willing to fight. Um, I think a true warrior is anyone that who is willing to do so from a place of love for the mm. right reasons. Mm. All right? There are a lot of people that step up um, and fight from a place where they're just trying to defend or they're afraid of external threats. Um, but in reality, it's because they're, they're not whole within. Um, I saw it all the time, but I knew some incredible warriors. And most of them that I knew, they weren't trained to be warriors. They were already warriors and they stepped up into a role. This isn't something that you become. It's something that you already are. Most of you in this room have that presence, that tenacity. You step up, you go do things, you commit to things, you're here. You're wanting to serve something greater. A lot of you already are in so many ways. Um, a lot of you are healers. A lot of you speak in public. Use your voices. Um, I'm incredibly inspired by the type of people that this has attracted. Um, and I think it's only going to grow from here. And, you know, I think that we will all step up in our own unique ways. And I hope that we all see that in each other and support that and are willing to fight for it because it's really important that we come out on top. And the thing that arises is there's this really great um, book called King, Warrior, Magician, Lover. Mm -hmm. um, it's a Jungian perspective on the major archetypes in the male psyche, but really this is in all human psyches. And they have this story um, that has stuck with me for like the last six years. And it's the difference between a hero and a warrior. Mm -hmm. In their description, uh, the hero is the adolescent the aspirational version of the fully embodied warrior. And the difference is, if there is a battle, the hero is looking to run out and slay as many people and just be the fucking thing. Whereas the warrior is assessing, okay, how many people do we have? How many people do they have? Mm -hmm. Our children and our wives and our grandparents are behind us. If we attack now, even if we win, we're going to bring back much less people home. And if we lose, they all die. If we wait until night and we wait for them to sleep and we go directly to their king and we hold him hostage, no one gets to be glorified, but we could potentially save all the life here and end this peacefully. Mm. And that, that is the hallmark distinction between a warrior and a hero. The hero needs to prove to himself or herself that they are worthy of mom or dad loving them. Mm. And the warrior is like, what is the best action that I can take unflinchingly and in love that is for the collective good? Because again, the languaging about we have to be on top. Like, I understand what you mean. And I think it's worth articulating. The only thing that we're moving on top of is our lower human nature, but it's no other human. Mm -hmm. 
that the only way forward into a more beautiful world our hearts know is possible is everyone has to be invited. Sure. Everyone has to be invited. Yeah, and I think that we we must step up and use our voices in order to get there, right? Because we can acquire wisdom, we can acquire knowledge, we can be well-read, we can be well-studied, we can know what is right and wrong. Uh, but until we step up and share just what that what we think it is, because none of us know. A lot of us that have these platforms, we speak onto these things just because we're trying to figure them out for ourselves. And we never will. But we're, we try to get a little closer through the things that we study, through the conversations that we have, through the conversations that we attend. Um, I have no attachment to my perspective of what this is. But I do see that story unfolding. I knew that that kid that tried to be a hero. I was that kid. Um, I stepped up in that way, you know, and, and joined the military for those exact reasons. Um, body, mind, soul, emotionally, I broke everything. And I knew that I wasn't in alignment. I wasn't on my path. And it took two to three times of Mack trucks, as my <laughs> friend Chris Marhefka would say, um, just completely leveling me before I would listen up. And that's still my instincts. But just because we show up in the world in a certain way doesn't mean that we don't have the ability to learn. We have the tools. We have the resources. We have the, the motivation and inspiration. Um, we can study these things. We're safe enough in order to take this time. Um, a lot of us aren't threatened daily to find food and water or go fight a war. So to make the most of this, let's step up. And let's lead with our hearts. Let's open our minds and try to show up in a loving and compassionate way because we have the space to do so. And that can't be taken for granted. Yeah, one of the things that I, either consciously or through the unconscious wisdom of my more whimsical parts, when I start to take life for granted, um, I will go read about someone that I admire, how they died. And uh, one of my favorite stories is Aldous Huxley was a famous philosopher. He was a great writer. And the story of his death, um, and the reason why I do this is to remind myself, like, I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. And being comfortable today might be only an option because I am in denial of the fact that I am a temporary being. But anyways, his story. Um, he had cancer and he was dying and he knew that he was a couple of hours away from death and his wife came to him and gave him 400 micrograms of LSD and she sat with him and all of their friends were in the house uh, you know because he was really famous well loved like he was an example of someone who had stepped up into his call and as he was dying his friends that he served with were in the house with him. Mm -hmm. And this man's dying. He took 400 micrograms of LSD and his wife is holding his hand. And, um, you know, I'm someone that when I was younger, after I did psychedelics a couple of times, I had the audacity to say that I wasn't afraid of death. Mm -hmm. And then I did a little bit more psychedelics and I realized I'm terrified of death. It, was, it flavors almost everything that I do. But so Aldous Huxley was, you know, the king of kings when it comes to like philosopher and doing psychedelics and understanding that there's consciousness after death. In his last moments, he whispers to his wife, 
I'm afraid. And his wife just whispered into his ear, it is safe. Go into the light. I love you. I love you. It is safe. It is safe. And whatever that man's experience was, like, I would like that, please. Um, yeah. And so our deepest, one of our deepest fucking biological programs that has seen to it that it's actually adaptive for millions of years is you care very deeply about what other people think about you. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. And it's okay. And your soul doesn't fucking care. <laughs> and that, that's a part of the tension of being humans that have either gotten to the point where aliens came here and gave us consciousness or... If you're a biologist, we somehow evolved enough wetware in this brain where it's like, oh my God, what's here? But we've, we've gotten to a point where we have soul. And we have this biology too. Your biology cares very deeply about what people think about you mm -hmm. and your soul fucking doesn't. Good luck. It's because it kept you alive and it still does. Yeah. You know, instinctually, a lot of our instincts come from a biological level of just purely survival. Yeah. Um, and that may be in a reproductive sense or identifying where what is predators or threats in the world. Um, so just of the ability to observe that and just learn what that feels like and what that is, that is the rationale and logic that we can develop. Um, because we have the time, we have the safety, we've got the space, we have the comfort um, to do so. And if so, if we're not taking advantage of, of just that, then we are taking for granted everything that we have been given in this world that is a gift, right? I'm not saying to remove yourself from everything that is good, <laughs> like we have it pretty good, um, but to observe, you know, what kind of place that you're consuming things or enjoying things, um, just to ask more questions and really listen, listen more. I think yeah. we'll just keep coming back to that. Yeah, one of the things that I've started is uh, I've started a food journal and I'm just writing down what I eat. I'm actually, I see it as I'm beginning to listen to my body and like really feeling into how much I numb the whisper inside of me through munching on yummy food. And we all have a whole host of behaviors that we've accumulated to kind of numb the whisper mm -hmm. because the whisper can be fucking irritating. Like, bruh, I, I just want to watch basketball tonight. Will you just please let me be able to, you know what? Okay, I'm going to fucking shut you up by getting some ice cream. <laughs> and... Like, one of the things that it feels like a lot of people who begin trying to do some level of the work get stuck on is to not have, like, a parental compassion for the fucking monkey mm -hmm. that you are. And the monkey doesn't want to work hard, period. The monkey doesn't want to be uncomfortable. The monkey doesn't want to feel unsafe. And, hashtag aliens, you have a soul now. And you have this higher calling to, to be something in the world. And the warrior aspect to be able to act on what that whisper is. And then also to have like this nurturing parent that can like hold the child and be like, I know you're afraid. 
I know you've ignored the whisper for seven years to move to Austin. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm going to break your fucking leg if you don't go. But I also love you fully. Um, it's, it's this interesting tension that we are all going to hold for the rest of our existence. And it feels like the aspiration of wanting to get to a place without the tension feels like you're missing the point. Mm-hmm. Like the tension creates the urge to move. Right. And the urge to move is the dance. Yeah, I think, you know, there's this dance back bet- between, you know, finding tension and then letting go. Um, if we think of, you know, the warrior as like that tension, that angst, that anxiety, that's just always driving forward. And then we think of like letting go is almost a Zen approach. You know, it's like, I don't want to become one or the other. Like if I'm on the, the fiery side, then I'm going to just inflict more pain and discomfort because I'm not listening. On the other side, I'm so far removed from action that I'm just kind of detached right. from the world in this, I mean, beautifully uh, observant place to be. And that may be, you know, the pursuit for some people. Um, or what they want in this world. For me, I want to still have my feet on the ground, still driving forward, but to find peace enough each day through practice that I'm able to observe life in that way. The fucking metaphor that comes up is imagine how terrible sex would be if you only went forward the whole time and you never went backwards. (laughs) (laughs) And then imagine how bad would it be if you only were coming backwards the entire time just coming out of the room. You know? (laughs) You got to do both to make babies. You do? I think. <laughs> That's what my dad told me. <laughs> Hashtag do both. <laughs> do both. I didn't know it was so simple. Well, uh, we wouldn't have jobs if we didn't pretend that it was. <laughs> it's simple. All right, guys. Well, let's. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's I fucking ended it. Let's open. No, absolutely not. Let's open it up for a Q and A. And if we want to follow up on that, let's go. I think we're both pretty open books. Let's uh, let's get this mic out here. Um, I am not sure how much of that podcast that we just lost. But we shut lost the abortion. fuck up again. I swear, dude. Graham. No. Yeah. No, I ran out Seriously? of. Me- I ran out of memory. Wow. I think it's you, dude. I don't it's know. It's me, dog. We just need to, like, take these mics out. <sighs> you know, I That's... Don't, I don't the, know. But I, seven, I'm going to psychoanalyze that later. 17 episodes later. Wow. <laughs> All right. Anybody got a question? Let's pass this mic around. Gotta have something. It just takes one, right? I'm just always genuinely curious about what goes on in Eric's head. So, uh, what's the most impactful thing you're currently contemplating, Eric? And also remember our conversation about a month ago and go there. Fuck you. <laughs> um, I want to answer the question genuinely, and I also recognize that we don't have three hours. Um, the really the last couple of months have been me constantly trying to learn better how to articulate what's been going on for me in a way that is understandable and short. And essentially what it is, is that um, my entire life and everything I've ever tried to work for has uh, 
been built within the framework that culture was healthy enough to continue on long enough that I could have the family that I want and have the career that I want and that culture itself wouldn't need to be upgraded. And it was fundamentally selfish and naive. And because of how things have unfolded in the last two years, along with my poetic listening to my dharma, I have been brought to a place in the last couple of months where um, I feel I am being called to step into a higher level of uh, change making than I've ever aspired to be. And that level of uh, change making comes with a responsibility that has utterly destroyed my my goals and my dreams. Um, and I've been actively in a place for the last couple of months where I'm doing my best to look like a person doing things. But the truth is that um, my ego is dying. And it's like uh, my persona is dying. Like the identity that I've created to try to fulfill my wishes and my dreams and my desires, uh, it's dying. And I am lost and confused. Um, and I'm just trying to do like one step in front of the next. But fundamentally, I feel called to change my dream of creating a psychotherapy to making it be specifically adaptive for a new way of envisioning what civilization looks like. And I recognize I don't know shit and I have not earned the right to talk about what that even looks like. And so I'm shutting my mouth about it to the degree that I can, and I'm going to learn. And uh, did that make sense? Yes, it did. Cool. Thank you. I'm excited to see what that looks like. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think Leo's got one. Hi, Eric. Um, We met briefly last night, Viking. Um, (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about your background, like how you were raised and what what experience or experiences led to this sort of spiritual awakening or spiritual pursuit combined with philosophy? Yeah. Um, Be born from a mother who has severe trauma that... uh, loves you completely, but also suffers deeply from depression and let that leave a hole in your soul of feeling both chosen and also abandoned with a deep desire to be the thing that saves mom through understanding psychology. And then forget, get really good at basketball so you get really egoic and know how to be a warrior and an athlete, Uh, then get injured and then remember that that's what you actually care about. And then uh, with the athletic ego tenacity, get into philosophy and start doing psychedelics when you're 19 and um, lose all of your friends because you don't know how to talk about what the fuck you're learning. But then also uh, start writing trip reports to try to uh, understand yourself. And then be alone for a while. And uh, (laughs) then... uh, Start to try to be in relationship for the first time and do it badly, but learn. Uh, and then get fired from your job because you weren't doing what you were supposed to do, but you still outperformed all the other teams. And then the day you get fired, see an ad on Facebook that Aubrey Marcus just released a course. 
and then join the course and then share everything that you've ever read for the last seven years on every Facebook comment that anyone <laughs> puts about anything. Uh, <laughs> and then accidentally eat 180 milligrams of THC and truly believe that uh, you're in a hospital and you're a paraplegic and that you're too weak to accept your existence. So you've been put into a simulation of your greatest desires um, and that this is all an illusion and a simulation and then come out of that trip and then go get a job at Onnit and then uh, basically be forced to interpret people's dreams until Aubrey realizes that you know some shit about psychology and then get invited to Peru and then meet the greatest man I've ever met, Don Howard, and finally have a grandfather look you in the eye and say, stop thinking so much, start feeling, and then um, listen. Well, it took 60 minutes to get to that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best one yet. <laughs> All right. Any other questions? Yeah. I don't know if my reach. Yeah. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much, first of all, for you guys' vulnerability and just openness. Because I think what's scary is like when you are really saying what it is you're going through. Like we're all just like, I'm fucking woke up today. So here I am. But <laughs> it it lets you know like, oh, we are connected. Even if I'm alone in like this moment. But my question is, why do you think we are so scared to admit what it is we really want. Like we're scared to go inward and we're scared to like really see that or really admit that. Um, and I know a lot of it is like the undoing process, right? Every day as we regenerate and our world becomes new and different. But um, I'm, I think I'm struggling with that. I think I'm struggling with like what I thought I was called to do like 10 years ago to like where I am now and like being okay with letting that go. But then also like, why am I afraid to admit what I really want? I think I'll, I'll touch on this one. A little go bit. for it. Yeah. I think, um, you know, being afraid of really expressing or going for what you really want in this world is difficult. I think at least for myself because of two things. It's because initially it's like almost an imposter syndrome type effect of like, really asking if I'm ready for that or worthy of that or can handle it. Uh, and that leads secondly to a bigger fear of just losing it once I have mm. it. Right. So um, both pretty painful experiences to go through. One, just initially taking that leap um, and trusting that one, you'll be okay if, you, if, if it doesn't work out. Uh, but you'll learn a lot more about yourself by going for it. Um, and you know, I think just, it takes just that, just believing in yourself, empowering yourself to take the, the proper steps and identifying, um, the people around you that got you and will support you. Um, that's huge. Um, if you have that and you know, you're going to be okay. You know, you're at the end of the day, you probably wake up tomorrow. Um, we've got food, we've got water. Um, so what are we going to do? End up on our ass? It's really not that bad. I could feel that when you asked the question, I was like, fuck, I don't know. And um, it was actually in your answer that something came up for me. And it's that when it comes to 
your question, why are we afraid to claim what we want? I think the answer to that is going to be unique for every human in here. And that your answer to that question is, that's your work. That's where you're at. And But the interesting thing is I had a friend reflect to me that he thinks the thing underneath all of it is we know we're going to die. And if we actually get what we want, we have to give that back to the jaws of time. And that we would rather not have it than have it and then lose it. And at first I was like, no. That, and, and then he really kind of like held and he was like, like, we have the crushing bliss and uh, suffering of like, we're like the only thing that we know of that knows that we're going to die. And there's a weight that comes to that. You know, there's this motif in mythology that the gods envied humans because humans could die. And because humans could die, they fucking lived. Whereas gods are just gods forever. So there's kind of like, you know, genocide. Yeah. This peach, nah, you know. Um, so we have a potency to our day-to-day life because we know that we're going to die. But there's also just like, I, it's this weird thing of I can feel that I can't feel that I know I'm going to die. And it's just this feeling of like, wow. But there is some part of us that knows that we are. And I think that maybe the reason why we're afraid of really asking for what we want is because a part of us knows that the universe will say yes. And we have to give it away. Or you're going to be forced to expand in other ways. So you don't just get what you want and then keep everything that you are. So then Hell you gotta, <laughs> to the na na na. So then you got to do more work in order to become the person that is worthy of keeping it. So that's a great fucking point. And there's this study where uh, the way that some indigenous people catch monkeys is they get a jar and they put food inside of the jar and then they come back in like 12 hours and there's a monkey stuck because the monkey won't let go of the motherfucking thing. It's like, the food's right here. But now I'm about to be slaughtered by these other apes that lost their uh, hair. Um, (laughs) And so to get what you want, you maybe got to let go of all the other shit that's keeping. And we don't want to do that. That's a great point. All right. Next question. Hashtag let go. Angie. Yeah. Hashtag do both. (laughs) We need to run So you mentioned that um, the body is often resistant to go where the soul wants to go. How do you make the body feel safe to go where the soul wants to go? For me, um, it, it actually was the 180 milligrams of THC that that was that's still to this day, and I've done a lot of medicine and drugs. And uh, to this day, that is the most terrifying, hardest experience that I've ever had. And before that, I had used my mind as a rationalization tool never to do anything that I was afraid to do that my soul was asking me to do. And my life wasn't great. I experienced such terror that when I was sober the next day, I was like, nothing's ever going to be as bad as that. Cause that was like existential destruction, no safety. And I just had this like commitment of, um, I'm going to start doing what I'm afraid to do. 
And it, it just kind of started as this like curiosity slash faith experiment. And like the reason I was able to do it is because the fucking monkey thing was like, we just turned the volume up to 10 and we held it there for days. And now everything is way chiller. Like my monkey was basically like hung over. And then I just like forced it to do shit. It was normally afraid to do. And then once it was like not hung over, it was like, oh, wow, this doesn't kill me. And it took like two or three very explicit, like do this thing that you haven't done that you're afraid to do that you know you've wanted to do. That was pure faith. And it helped that I basically broke my monkey. But then after the faith thing, it was like, now it's this like soft reminding. Like, do you remember how it feels when you do the thing that you're afraid to do? That even when you fail to do it, you feel how much better we feel? Like, I will give the monkey like fucking pep talks. Um, so do 180 milligrams of THC. <laughs> For me, I I don't have um, I don't have any resistance in my body not going where my soul wants to go. All the resistance comes from my attachment to either who I've been, who I'm now, or who I want to be. Uh, my body knows the path. My body knows the way, and it's speaking to my soul. And the less I listen, the more resistance I get. So if I'm out of alignment. Um, emotionally, mentally, physically. Um, my body is the first thing that I've gained awareness to of just inflammation and pain and injuries where life is trying to slow you down. Life is trying to direct you back on course. The less we listen, the more severe these redirects get. Some people will never listen and they're going to kill themselves or they're going to get a disease or they're going to hurt the ones around them. They're just going to start, keep going hard right. And they're going to be too proud to ever stop, take a moment and say, why am I still going this way? Luckily, I learned that lesson early where I literally paralyzed my leg because I wasn't listening. I had no skill set of how to listen to my body. But I learned that lesson the hard way. And I, I learn it all the time. Um, but now on a daily level, I'm almost hyper aware of pain and inflammation and how I feel because of the things I eat or... Uh, emotionally where I'm at. But it's the first thing I listen to is my body. So that that's my guide. That's my my northern star. Um, it's just listening and, and being um, and making sure that, I mean, we, we should feel pretty good in, in the circumstances that we live in. All right. Next question. I know we got someone from San Antonio that has a fucking question as, acting like he doesn't. I know. <laughs> What's up, bro? By the way, thank you for coming out, brother. Absolutely. Thank you for doing this podcast, man. Um, what are some practical ways to integrate your shadow self after you've acknowledged that it's there and you need to give it the space and, you know, not suppress it and all of those things? What are some ways that, you know, you can start to integrate that into your, into your whole being? God, this is a hard question to answer well. Um, thank you. Uh, one of the things that I see in the spiritual landscape that I can see is uh, almost no one 
giving the proper respect to what shadow work actually is. And like shadow work is by definition, you can't see it. If you are aware of it, it's not shadow work. If you are aware of it, it's not shadow work. If you are aware of it, it's not shadow work. So you can do shadow work with shit that's happened in your past. Like if you have enough purview to look back and see where you were unconscious or where something was expressing, you can go back there and like do work there. But the bleeding edge of shadow work, like it's, it's existentially confusing because uh, if you guys look at a um, optical illusion where there's one image and then you look at it long enough and the whole image flips and you're like, oh my God, it's, it's an old woman too. You know, like you guys have seen the old woman or the like young woman that's like turned away. Shadow work in the like present moment is those moments where you have this like foreground background reversal and you're like, oh my God, I have totally, totally missed the whole fucking thing. And then it's like, can I feel that I'm terrified? That I feel like I fucked up. That I feel like I'm wrong. That I feel like I'm never going to figure this shit out. That I feel like I've let everyone down. That my mom doesn't love me. That God doesn't love me. That my dog doesn't love me. Uh, my roommate's dog doesn't love me. But um, <laughs> what it feels like is the integration, at least for me, I'm not going to pretend to answer like there's the way. I'll just share what the fuck I do. Is that um, I try to give new parts that I become aware of names. So like I have this whole inner family. Like I've got a mother, like it's popping inside of what's happening here. Um, and I'll give it a name and then I'll really like flesh it out. Like I'll give this motherfucker an outfit, you know, I'll like feel into like what their body language is and like what they like to do. And then what I try to do is I try to map onto what behaviors in my life is this part. Like, I actually just discovered a part. His name is Garrick. Garrick is my inner fat boy. Um, <laughs> and I'm watching Split right now. And, that, and that's actually me judging him. So, like, the truth is, um, when I tore my rotator cuff and my basketball dreams died, and that was my motherfucking, my whole life was that. Um, I got depressed. And I didn't have the self-awareness to realize that I was depressed. And then I got addicted to opiates and I didn't realize that I was addicted to opiates. And then when I ran out and went through withdrawals, I didn't realize I was going through withdrawals. And so Garrick got fat. Garrick was smashing Oreos and taking cliff bars and putting them in Nutella and doing two of those a night. I did not understand. That was like 1,200 calories. Um, this is a really long answer, but you drove a long way, so I got you. Uh, <laughs> Make it worth it. <laughs> that, so... Um, I try to give it a name. I try to map on what behaviors in my life are a manifestation of when that thing's unconscious. And then I imagine as the king of my psyche, I really start to try to talk to him. Like I really let him feel heard. I really try to understand like, thank you for saving my life. You know, thank you for when I didn't have the tools, you numbed me enough where I didn't fucking kill myself. Like, thank you. And also, you're ordering too much out to eat. And we need to talk, you know? And like, the shadow work is literally, I cooked a steak today <laughs> instead of fucking spending $80 on sushi three times a week. Um, and so that is how sushi. I acted. That's how I actively do 
uh, shadow work. And then the last part is like, this will benefit everybody, but intentionally cultivating a grief practice. Like we don't know how to grieve. And if you look at our culture, our culture is a reflection of nothing can die. Everything stays young. Oh my God. Oh my God. And that um, a part of doing the shadow work is allowing old things to die. And we haven't been given examples of like how to do that. Like how many of us had a father that showed us that it was okay to cry, to feel deeply? I did not. I still to this day don't think I've ever seen my dad cry. Like we don't know how to grieve. So just the asterisk is learn how to grieve. Hashtag the smell of rain on dust. That's a great book. That was a lot, guys. I, I appreciate you going on that one. <laughs> but you came along with... Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think just summing it up is like, observe what is the shadows of the past. Um, identify it so that when it comes up again... Who fuses the music with no illusions produced in the blueprints? Cool. We back. But when it shows up again, we have the ability to identify it and uh, make note of it so that we don't spend our entire lives learning the same two to three lessons over and over and over, um, not admitting what it is that's showing up in the world. Um, I want to learn more than that, right? I'm going to keep pushing those boundaries. I want to learn new things. I don't want to get stuck in the same two to three things. Um, so yeah, identify what it is and make note of it and be observing because it's going to show up again and again and again under different disguises and different ways. Um, it's never the same. Last thing is, uh, if you're stupid, <laughs> pray and ask and, and by stupid, I meant brave. I was just making a joke, but. Um, a prayer that I've really been playing with that's been incredibly powerful, um, I got from Paul Check. Um, and it's when you're going to sleep, get to that place where you're being genuinely earnest and ask, um, specifically if it's about the shadow, please give me a dream in a way that my ego can understand to help me see the part of my shadow that is that I'm ready to meet. And then buckle the fuck up. <laughs> and take 180 milligrams of THC. Don't. <laughs> All right, let's take one or two more if we got them. Yeah, it was so Hey, um, going back to body awareness, mm. how do you balance listening to your body and functioning as a reliable, consistent person in the 3D world? Yeah, for me, it's just one and the same. It's like habits and practices are very structured for me, right? So I know I'll feel better because I do this or I set aside this time or I frequent these places or these classes. Like I set it up in that structure. Um, you know, just that that helps me. It gives me the, like, the I know where to be and where to go and the things to do, you know? And so um, I don't struggle to find that structure um what i do struggle with is letting go of it <laughs> and um you know i i even schedule my free time um i highlight my free time uh because it's you. so important you. i'm the same <laughs> it's so important for me to focus i have the other things down pat 
Like, I got that. I can go all day. Sometimes Tyler catches me at the end of the day, and, like, I've just been going from, like, 5 a.m. to 10 p.m., and I'm like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's, it's like, here, hit this. <laughs> I might be projecting this onto your question, but what I hear is essentially, um, how can I honor the truth of my body and also still be a consistent and, like, reliable person? And it feels like behind that is, if I'm someone with a traumatized nervous system and I'm going through the healing process of bringing healing to it, um, how the fuck do I keep my promises or how the fuck do I keep my obligations? And uh, I think that that's a great question. And I think a lot of people in this room um, actually know that intimately and deeply that the really weird thing about like the healing process is that like if you break your leg and it heals crooked, you can actually still function and go about your daily life, but not ever heal it. And if you're going to actually heal it, you have to re-break it. And then in the re-breaking, there's a period where you're extra sensitive, where you're more sensitive than you were before. And so before, all of us have trauma. And most of us are brought to this path because we had acute trauma. Not cute, acute. <laughs> and that... Once you start the practice, you're actually going to be destabilized more than when you started because you're actively starting to disarm your coping patterns. And so you might have to cancel a lot. It, it feels like ultimately cultivating a relationship with the people in your life that the highest value is truth. And then have the courage to be like, hey, a thing happened last night. My nervous system is dysregulated. I can feel in my body that if I said yes to this, it was because I would be people-pleasing, which is a part of my coping behavior that I'm actively working on. These are what texts are for me or like at times. Um, and so I can't make this and I'm choosing not to make this. And like the beautiful thing that's so interesting is if we don't, if we're on autopilot, we think that that's like the worst thing we could possibly do. Our friends will hate us. 100% of the time. Like a part of me wants to say 99%, but like I've literally never seen an example with any of my friends or in my life where if I come with that level of vulnerability about not holding an obligation, everyone's like, oh my God, thank you. I fucking see you. I totally get it. And it is what it is. And ultimately, um, one of the best navigating tools that I have is uh, if I speak and act the truth to the best of my ability, whatever happens as a result of that is the best possible thing that can happen, period. Mm -hmm. uh, that's basically what I said, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go one more. One more, and then we're going to dance. So I want to, like, there's a whole realm over here that because there's not a microphone over there, y'all just yeah, haven't we can come said up. shit. Yeah, and so someone over here... Mm. Who knows that they have a question? There we go. What's up, dude? I can't believe this wasn't recorded. That's wild. I mean, I think we got most of it. <laughs> Good work today, guys. This was amazing. So I'd like to hear from both of you on this one. Um, when was the first time in your life you felt that you were safe? and allowed to fully express yourself in your dance without holding yourself back or anyone's judgment in your life holding you back as well. 
still working on that, bro. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> yeah, the interesting thing is that um, I know that I've experienced it, but I'm trying to track back, like, what was that first moment? Um, a huge part of it was getting the opportunity to be in a community where I saw people who had already touched that place and then lived from that place. And my nervous system was like, whoa, whoa, this is allowed? And I didn't believe it for a long time. Like, I have this memory seared into my fucking brain where, um, like, the community that I'm now a part of, they started to, like, move into, like, a rager. And it was, it was like, a Saturday. I had taken a little bit too much LSD. That seems to be a common theme. I love it. Don't at me. And <laughs> it was transitioning from, like, the day part to the night part. And they were starting to dance. And I hadn't ecstatic danced yet. I hadn't learned in my body that it was safe to be in that space. And I felt a full panic response. And I almost had to, like, run away. And my whole drive home, I just felt shame. I was like, like, it did not feel good. And now when we party, I'm the loudest motherfucker. I'm dancing the longest. And it's like, so I know that there's something that has happened. And I know that dance is a metaphor that you meant in your question, but it also is like the perfect metaphor. And really what I think it is, is the first time I did an ecstatic dance led by Aubrey, it was explicitly explained that we are all going to close our eyes. No one's going to look at anyone. And I invite you to move in ways that you have never allowed yourself to move. And there was something about just being given permission by a man that I respected, that you are allowed to now move here. I don't know what the moment was, but there was a moment where I just fucking did it. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't just explode into flames or something like I'm still here. And then this goes back to the question that you asked, like, how do you get your body to do the things that maybe it's afraid to do? The moment I connected to what Aubrey's example did for me and how much healing it put in my body to feel free and then started to taste that I was giving that to other people by doing the thing, that's what I tell my motherfucking body. Like, we are not alone. We are communal beings. And if you can just show the fuck up and be this thing, it helps. And like, the world's on fire, needs help. Hashtag be a firefighter. I smell weed. <laughs> Good group. <laughs> These are my friends. Uh, I'll share something I wrote like a long time ago, but it just kind of like reminded me of it. Um, because honestly, like that is my honest answer. It's like, I, I still don't feel very safe in this world. Um, just brutally honest. Um, well, I'm you. aware of that. Um, I do a lot of work. I, I try to make sure that I don't put myself in a position where I'm responsible for other people or things that, you know, I'm just 
I'm on this journey, man. I'm trying to be that man. I'm trying to be that guy and then step up into those roles, but I'm not there yet. Um, 25 and I'm terrified of a lot of things, but that's all right. That's the journey. You're crushing it. All right. So I wrote this, uh, I said for many years, men have had the same characteristics, but men today have become self-centered. They're more worried about what they have amused by what they have had and validated, validated by those they most easily amuse with little effort. Men should feel the blood in their veins and the intentions in their heart. They should fight for those same intentions and be ready to bleed from those same veins in order to serve and protect those that they love. To me, that is what a man is. So for me, that is obviously written from a place where I'm afraid of something and I'm willing to fight for it. But ultimately, my focus is getting to a place where I'm capable of serving those that I love. That's, that's all I'm worried about in this world. Um, you know, those roles, the way I show up in the world, it's going to change. I'm going to adapt. But that's the place I'm coming from. That's why I'm here. Cool. All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up, y'all. Um, thank you, Eric Godsey, for coming on. Um, it's my pleasure uh, to sit here with you. And, um, you know, I think it's just incredibly inspired by what you're putting out in the world and these stories that you share and the way that you um, do something that is, that is um, very important that very few people do this day and age. And that's the art of storytelling. And um, it's, it's beautiful, man. Thank you. I love you, dog. Also, thank you to everyone that made it out today. Um, you are all warriors in your own right, and I hope that you continue to step up and serve. Um, we have Alive and Well in the house today. They're going to do in-body body composition scans as well as red light therapy. Um, I would like to thank Native Hostel um, for having us out and giving us this space. We've been here every weekend for the last two months. Um, this is the last podcast here at Native Hostel for the time being, uh, probably a couple of weeks. <laughs> so um, we're going to jump right back in. There's going to be a lot of events kicking off all around town. I'm trying to get this community to spread out um, and integrate throughout the city. Uh, we've got a few art galleries that are interested in, in giving us a home. Um, as well as different venues and businesses. And this is really just, we're trying to identify spaces um, that we can all, you know, come to and share and, and uh, really get to know our community better. Um, also, this is a ticketed event. Um, I have a lot more people in attendance today than we actually sold tickets. Um, our Venmo is at the back. Recommended donation is 15 to $20. Um, this goes to me, my friends, and I for putting on this event um, and also the expansion of this community. Um, this, this stuff just doesn't just happen. I obviously need a, a bigger uh, chip. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to articulate, man, thank you for being one of the first people in this community to have the audacity to do live shit when people were closed down. You've inspired me. You've inspired others. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. You are fucking crushing it. 
Dude, you're fucking 25. What the fuck? <laughs> I used to be the dude that people were like, you're only what? What the fuck? And now you're the dude that's like, what? What the fuck? And so you're crushing it. <laughs> Great work. Hashtag dude. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, let's go. Whoa, it sounds so yeah. weird. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, can, I, can we just take a minute since this is your last time here for yeah. a bit? I know a lot of you have probably been here before and Evan is doing something that is so needed. And so if we could all just take a minute to just sink into that and what you are providing to this world. And if we could just breathe Evan in, exhale our love. Thank you for everything that you're doing for this community. Thank you, sir. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, is that No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An Electric Cast production. See you there.